Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. presence of the Holy Ghost already. I concur with Pastor, just sometimes I just want a high step when I think about where God's brought me from, what He's kept me from. I'm just, uh, I'm just amazed at what God can do. Amen. I want to thank Pastor for the opportunity to speak this morning. Uh, I'm just honored to, to be able to speak and, 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 and deliver what God has laid on my heart. Um, if you would, you would turn, turn with me to Acts 27. I want to let our guests know we are so thankful they're here with us today. Thank you for coming. Also, my family, some of my family has come to watch me speak. I'm so thankful to have a family that's so supportive. Amen. We are a close family. We can talk about one another and we can be talking to you about them, but you just stand there. You're not supposed to say anything. In fact, you're not even supposed to nod. You just stand there. Best thing to do is just look away. But we got some things to say about them and we're going to say it. And we'll let them know we're saying it. Amen. Acts 27, starting with verse 39. We're talking about Paul. He was on a ship to Rome. I want to give a little backstory here. I don't want to just bust into this story. And most of you may know the story, but some may not. He's on the way to Rome. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He's, a, he's sent to preach the message to the Gentiles. And he's a prisoner. And they're on a ship. And that's how God's sending him. On this ship. They're in a storm. And that's where we're picking up. And in verse 39 it says, And when it was day they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded if it were possible to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and housed up the mainsail to the wind and made towards shore. And right here, it says they fell into a place where two seas met. This could be where two currents met, but the bottom of the ship apparently bottomed out and uh, and the waves, the two currents, whatever, ran. They, 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 it tore the back of the ship and it, it just tore the hinder parts to pieces from the violence of the wind. And so that's what this is saying here. They just hit the bottom and it tore the back of the ship to pieces. 
And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners. There's 276 men on board here, a lot of which are prisoners. And their counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, Julius, willing to save Paul, he liked Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim could cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. So what it's saying here, there's some that could not swim. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass they all that they escaped all safe to land. My title this morning is Broken Pieces. Broken Pieces. If you would pray with me. God laid this on my heart a while back and I just want to be able to deliver what he, how he laid it on my heart. So if you preach with me, pray with me, Lord. Help us this morning to understand this, God, and receive this, Lord. We love you today and we need you today. I need you today. I can't do this without you. I refuse to do this without you, Lord. And just have your way today. Take over, God. This is your house. And we honor you, God. We give you the glory. We give you the glory. If you would, clap your hands and then you may be seated. I have faith that God can. And I have faith that whatever God decides to do, that it's the right thing. In other words, I have faith in his power and I have faith in his wisdom. I want to, we serve a kingdom God and he's he's kingdom minded so his ways are just not our ways and so when we go through certain things we just don't understand because he's a kingdom God. Uh, One illustration uh, in the Bible that we hear a lot about it says Jacob have I loved but Esau I have hated and he reminds you throughout the scripture that he still hates Esau he does it's not a one time deal he didn't just get mad at Esau but he hated Esau he hated that spirit and and, and it's, it's strange because God didn't hate Jezebel God gave her a place to repent. And her husband, Ahab, he did repent. And he killed how many prophets? And so this is the God we serve. This is his mind. He's, he's kingdom minded. And God accomplishing his purpose means more to him than any of us as individuals mean to him. God seeing his will performed or his purpose laid out on this earth, which is to reconcile the world back into himself. And really, really what I want, God couldn't care less about what Larry wants unless it lines up with what God wants. You see, his overreaching purpose is that none should perish, that all come to repentance. God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I want to bless you. And through you, I want to bring the world back to me. Abraham, I need you to understand something. I don't need you. But I'm going to use you if you'll respond. I could use anybody. You're not special. Let's not think we're special because we're here and our neighbor, the drunk, is there 
laying on the floor this morning. It could be him here. It could be him here and you there. So we're not special. Uh, so Abraham, it's not about you, but since I chose you, I'm going to bless you. Since you come in covenant with me, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless your children, and through them, the world. So I'm going to call you out from the world. That's right, you got to come out from the world. No riding the fence, none of that. Well, I don't think it's important. I don't think you need to do that. Well, if it's written, you can't change it. Who told you you could make a difference? Who Or who, make a change? Who told you you could change his word? If it's written, it's expected. You can't ride the fence, Abe. You're going to have to come out from among them because I've called you out to be a, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And we need, to, we need your will to be done on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven so I don't get to do my own thing. Amen. Paul pretty much had this same encounter with God. He, he, he didn't start this way. He, he was first name Saul. He didn't start out living for Jesus. He believed in God, but he just didn't believe that Jesus was that God. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so... He didn't start out believing, but God, he had an encounter with God. And, and, and so that's where we are in the story. We're, we're on our way to Rome. And we're on this ship, and Paul's a prisoner. And, and Julius, he's the centurion, he found them in this ship hauling wheat when they were in Myra sailing from Alexandria, Egypt, Egypt to Rome. The centurion, Julius, secured passage for for all of them, and, and they're heading there, and, and they're on a fast. And this fast that they're on, is, it's associated with the Day of Atonement. And so during this time of the season, this time of the year, it was very dangerous to travel. In fact, Paul strongly advised them, this is not no time to travel. You need to wait in this harbor here at Fair Haven because this is bad, and the, and the winter winds are just so brutal during that time, and and most seafarers understood that. And they, they, uh, they abandoned any idea of sea travel until in spring, until later in spring. But what did Paul know? What did Paul know? So, of course, that's what happened. Paul warned them. They were caught up in a storm. And after two weeks, they lost heart because also they're fasting. Remember, they're on a fast. They keep fasting. They're weak, physically weak. They lost any hope of chance of surviving this storm. And then Paul, a prisoner, after reprimanding them, he shares with them this dream or vision that he had of the angel of God assuring him that they would make it. And it was his will for them to make it. And he would go to stand before Caesar. And to, but to be a good cheer, for there shall not be any loss of life but of the ship. The ship's not going to survive, but if you stay with the ship, you will survive. The angel told Paul there must be, he must be brought before Caesar, not, not only will, will he survive, but God has given me all of you with me, and you, you too will survive this storm. But this storm 
has to carry us where we need to go. And so we must abide and stay in this ship. If we abide in a ship, not one hair will fall and not one soul will be lost. Now I want to go back a little bit to where Paul met Jesus. He was departing from Jerusalem along a 135 mile hour or long road rather toward Damascus. Then Saul of Tarsus carried a subpoena, arrest warrant for a small group of Christians and he was going to bring them in because they were going around preaching that Jesus was God. Saul ran into Jesus. He was converted by none other than him. And he hears a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why, why persecutest thou me? And he answers, Who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. If his conversion was a surprise to the Christians, it was certainly a surprise to Paul or Saul. Because this Jesus whom at first Saul denied was now his Savior. And just a, a, a few moments along with Jesus, Saul went from hating this new revelation or religion, a belief that Jesus was the crucified Christ, that he was the Messiah to loving it with a divine passion. After being struck blind by Jesus for three days, Saul, later known as Paul, would write 13 books of the New Testament. Paul's conversion experience didn't just convince him that Jesus was divine. This Damascus event didn't just change his understanding of Jesus. It changed his understanding of God. He now understood that this Jesus was God in flesh. He knew that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And I'm here to tell you this morning, regardless of your theological views, this truth will come to all men. Truth is not in trouble. I'm sorry, but truth is not in trouble. Oh, well, they're trying to say, no, no, no. Truth is not in trouble. God is not in trouble. The adversary can attempt to remove it. The world can try to destroy it. Religion can try to distort it and confuse it. But the truth will endure to all generations. What truth? The truth. What truth? That Jesus is Elohim of the Old Testament, which means God. <laughs> that he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. That truth. That he's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord that heals. That he's Jehovah Imkadesh, the Lord who sanctifies that truth. That he's the captain of the host of the Lord. That he's the prince of peace. That he's the everlasting father. That he's the mighty God. He's a strength to the poor. I'm talking about that truth. That he's the rock of ages. A refuge from the storm. That he, that he robed himself in flesh. He become an embryo inside of Mary's womb and he grew up as a tender plant. I'm talking about that truth. That's what I'm talking about. That he's a, a son given, a child born. That he was despised. That he was rejected. That he was stricken. That he was smitten. That he was wounded. That he was bruised. That he was oppressed. I'm talking about that he was crucified. 
that he died and he rose on the third day. I'm talking about the death, the burial, and resurrection. I'm talking about that truth. I'm talking about he's a witness to his people. That's what I'm talking about. That he's a strength to the poor. He's the I am, that I am, that I am. He's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. He's also meek and holy. I said he's also meek and holy. He's a holy God. And if you want to be with him, you have to become holy. You've got to become separate. Praise God. That's the God we're talking about today. That's the truth we're standing on today. He's holy and will never violate his holiness. Paul caught this revelation and he understood that God would take the very plans of the enemy, talking about the ship, and would turn them and use them for his glory. Because why we serve a kingdom God? For his eternal purpose, he will turn all his energy and his focus and bring to pass the counsel of his will. You thought that storm that you're in was there to kill you? No. You thought the storm was the enemy's doing? No. I'm here to tell you this morning, no plan has ever been hatched outside of God. Huh? I said no plan has ever been hatched outside of God. He's never been taken by surprise. He's never been caught off guard. He's a God that's not bound by space. Somebody said the heaven of heavens of heavens can't contain him. He's a God that works outside of time, inside of time, all at the same time. That's God. Somebody said in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word, who's, what's the Word? That Word is Jesus. Somebody said, let us make man in our image. I heard somebody put it like this. They said, who's he talking to? And they said, I think he's talking to Jesus outside of time. That's the God we serve. He, he's not bound by time. Time doesn't mean anything to God. Hallelujah. The New Testament proclaims that Jesus Christ is without dispute the one who created all things. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. For by him, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, hallelujah, or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Jesus Christ of the New Testament is Jehovah God of the Old Testament manifested in the flesh. God said, I, even I am the Lord and beside me there is no Savior. Beside me there is no God form. You my witnesses, is there? there? I know not any. There is no other God. Me alone created this place. I did this. No one helped me. There's not a Jesus Junior. There's not a second in command. There's just Jesus and he's God. Amen. Paul's imprisonment was not a source of bitterness or resentment. In fact, he called himself a prisoner of Christ. Paul's apostleship to the Gentiles was a burden of 
of serious responsibilities with serious consequences. Acts 27, 31 says, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Saul of Tarsus, or Tarsus, the city which Jonah had attempted to flee, Saul, now named Paul, succeeded where Jonah rebelled. Paul later arrives in Rome and preaches the gospel. He makes it. He does make it. But it's the storm that takes him there. And that's what I want to talk about today. The storm that's on the way to what God has in mission for. That I want to talk about today. That's that painful, brutal storm that'll break you, but it'll make you. It's where we give birth to what God has for us. It's in these storms that we find God. And that we get to know God. And this is where we learn to pray. This is where we learn to worship. This is where we learn to connect with God. This is where we receive revelation, insight. This is where we obtain growth. You want to be great in His kingdom? It's going to take some storms to get there. Bound for the modern day Nineveh, the Gentile capital of Rome, Paul, obedient to the very end, stood atop this cargo ship going in the same direction that, that, that Jonah's ship was headed. He said, I exhort to be, you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. And I'm going to tell you, I'll go ahead and give you the end of the story. That night everyone endured the storm. They stayed on the ship and they made it to land. They made it. The 11th chapter of Hebrews has been called the, the hall of faith. These men and women of God endured some of the most horrific storms Faith's but faith sustained them. And let's keep in mind, though these people were people of faith, they were also people of failure. And God calls us to faithfulness and obedience, not perfection. Noah got drunk. Abraham lied on, on several occasions, had a legitimate child with, with Hagar. Jacob was a deceiver. Moses killed a man. Samson, let's say he had women problems. David committed adultery, gets her pregnant, murders the woman's husband, and then tried to conceal it. Despite all of this, they endured. They trusted in God. The hall of faith also includes those who didn't escape tribulation. They were tortured, mocked, flogged, imprisoned. They were stoned. They were sawn in sunder and killed. They were destitute and afflicted and mistreated. Some wandered about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves. Others conquered kingdoms, enforced judgment, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. They even put armies to flight. And women received their loved ones back to life. You see, our faith doesn't decide whether or not we will be prosperous or we'll be persecuted. And it just has nothing to do with it. Some escaped, some were killed. Some lived in palaces, some lived in caves. It's not that some had greater faith than others. That's not it at all. It's not that it was the same faith. They had the same faith that caused them to endure. You see, God, he tested us, tests us where we are and where he needs to take us. And there's just certain things that we have to go through to get there. There's a path and that's 
I'm holding the mic today, but the path here, to perfect our character, these storms are there for that, to, to humble us. He's looking for the army. He's, he's looking for people to be join his army. He's looking for servants that are obedient to his word. And, and adopting that mindset is not human nature to do it on your own. So it takes some conditioning, in some cases serious conditioning. You remember the story in Matthew uh, and in St. Mark. There's a story of this Syrophoenician woman. She was a Gentile, Canaanite woman. And the Jews, they just had no dealings with Gentiles. They were, they were dogs. They, they, and, and, and they didn't have no right to God. You know the tradition. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have covenant. They didn't have access. And really she had no right to ask Jesus of anything. At least according to tradition, the Gentiles... I said we're dogs but this woman of great faith and determination came and fell at the feet of Jesus because her daughter had an unclean spirit a devil and she fell at his feet she came knowing the situation knowing she wasn't worthy enough to even be at his feet she stepped into this knowing how she might be treated and so she appealed to his status as the son of David. She, she appealed to him as God. And so, but Jesus deliberately places a barrier between them. And, and, and it's her faith, her humility, her tenacity faith that breaks that barrier. He told her it's not meek to take the children's bread. He's talking about children. And cast it to the dogs, which he's referring to her. And she were she responds and says truth Lord yet when the children eat bread they leave crumbs they leave crumbs the woman took Jesus' logic and turned it on its head and basically said I'll take the crumbs ha, that's what he's looking for he said, I, she said I'll take the crumbs I know I'm not worthy so if I could just have the crumbs that fall from the master's table that'll be enough that'll keep me That'll sustain me. I know I don't deserve this. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. I know I'm undone. And, and just let me have the crumbs that fall from the table. That'll be enough. That, that'll hold me. Paul, he understood that. Oh, I want to understand that, Brother Osborne. I want to know I don't deserve to be here. I want to know I, des- I, don't, I don't deserve this. But God and his mercy, that's why I'm standing here. Not because I deserve it. Paul understood he wasn't worthy of the Lord's bread, but he, he was sold out. He was sold out. Paul was in this thing no matter what. You've got to be sold out for this. You've got to be in this. Paul knew that Jesus was God and can't nobody Paul, he's been through it all. He's seen it. He knew that nobody, 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 nobody can do you like Jesus. Ha ha. He struck me blind, but still nobody. Nobody. I'm in this prison right now. I'm on a ship toward Rome, but nobody. Even right here, nobody, nobody can do me like Jesus. Praise God. I uh, debated whether to go here or not, so I'm on an I am. I am. 
2016, most of you have heard this part of the story, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. I was arrested and taken to jail. And I'm going to tell you, this storm was the storm of my wife and I's life thus far anyway. Hope, it's, hope it is the storm of our life. This was a time where there was no movement though. You, you, I can't explain it, but you just get there and there's no moving. You just have to wait. You just got to wait. And so for 18 months, we just waited. We, it didn't seem to have no, there was no movement at all. Um, I can't explain it. For at least two, almost two years, we were just sitting still. It was bad. But after 18 days in that jail, I received the Holy Ghost. I just went to a place quietly in the, in the cell and I lifted up my hands and God gave me the Holy Ghost. I didn't go to prophesy or anything of that nature. I just spoke in tongues and God filled me right there. Well, I'm just going to be honest. I told my wife I was excited and we both thought, well, this, God's going to wrap this up. That's what he wants is you, for, you to live for him. So it won't be no time at all. We'll be getting out of here. God, they say they ain't going to let me go. They say I'm going to prison, but what's God say? Yeah, we got God on our side now. We're bold. You know, we got God on our side. And if I was going to live for him, he was going to bless us. He was going to make this go away because it just didn't make sense for us to, to be there and live for God inside of jail, at least through human eyes. Looking through kingdom eyes, though, the picture looks so much different. We weren't looking through kingdom eyes, though. We were looking through human eyes and we couldn't see this through his eyes. The Bible says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So someone said it's a scary thing to fall into the hands of the Lord and we were in his hands. So my wife and I really didn't think that this was going to be, we really thought this was going to be wrapping up. And so I remember my wife before this would pray with the children in the, in the when I was in the world, so... She would pray quietly in the, in the kitchen over the children and that was her prayer. I'm sure she had other times when she'd pray, but, but you know, it, that was all we could do. That's all she could do at the time. But I'm going to tell you, her prayer life from this point changed a bit. I'll just say that. It, changed, it took a shift. There was a different kind of praying. God said, I'm going to take you. I'm going to put you through something. I'm going to teach you how to pray. You were saying a prayer before, but now... I'm going to teach you how to pray a prayer. I'm going to teach you how to stretch out. Oh, my God. I'm going to teach you how to really get a hold of me. And nothing's going to happen. You're just going to, you're just going to be here for a while. And, and, and I, I went to prison. And, and there I just we went, to Lake, I went to Lake Butler and I was there. And they give you an ID card. And that's how you call. And that's how you buy food and, and, and things of that nature. And, and something happened. An altercation took place. And... and uh, I got into it with a gang and they ended up getting the card somehow and so I was there two months so for two months I couldn't call my wife I couldn't call home I couldn't buy any food and so I had to wash my back every day it was not a, not a good place so then they called me and said well it's time to go you're going to your permanent camp and I thought well that's God you know, I'm going somewhere nice and it's going to be easy from here on out. You know, and they tell us when we're going out where it's 3 o'clock in the morning, they say you're going to a place in the panhandle. I'll just say that. And we're lined up with 40 other prisoners. These are lifers, gangs, are not going home. 
they knew this prison. I seen grown men break down when they told them where we were going. Tears rolling down their face. Brother Boyd knows what I'm talking about. This was not a nice place. It just didn't seem like that God would be taking me somewhere here. He's, I mean, it doesn't make sense. I got into, we drove up to that place, and I can't describe it to you, but the, the windows were all busted out, and it's from the prisoners busting the plastic glass out, making knives and stuff. And they told us how bad it was, and they, and they told us what things we needed to do to survive, to live. And they said, if you're going, if you're, Going next door, you just need to stay in your stay on your bunk. Don't go outside. Don't go to the rec yard. Stay here. You only be here for two weeks, and then you'll go over there. Do not go outside. That's what they told me. Told us. I was put right beside a guy doing forty years or so, and and we were talking, and he said. He said, hey, I, I, I got a Bible in here for sale. I said, okay, yeah. I think I gave him two honey buns because I didn't list it off, so I did go out to there. And I got me a card. I went and got me some food. Live or die, I'm going to get me a honey bun. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so, <laughs> and so, I mean, God's on my side, you know what I mean? And uh, so I went and I got my honey bun. I made it. And, and, and so he seen that, and he said, hey, I got some things. I got a Bible in here. Uh, a New King James Version study Bible. I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. What I'm trying to tell you is, is, I know it sounds crazy, but God, he said, I need you to have a Bible. I'm going to send you here to the panhandle. There's a guy there. I'm going to put you right beside him. He's got a Bible. He don't use it. It's brand new, and you need that Bible because for the next year, you're going to be reading that Bible over and over. I read that thing almost three times. That's a kingdom, God. That don't make sense to you and I, but to God, hallelujah, to God, that makes all sense. That's the way God works. Hallelujah. He'll put you through a storm and take you somewhere that'll blow your mind, but it's, on, it's the route there that almost kill you. And you think, my goodness, my dad came when I was in jail and he's sitting there and he said, Lay, if you could somehow just see outside of this thing and, and see the end of this. He said, I believe with all my heart that the guards opened the gate and said, you can leave, that you wouldn't leave. That you would stay. If you knew the end, you would stay no matter what. That kept me. That, those words of wisdom I held on, I said, Lord... This is ugly. People are getting stabbed. People are dying off of drugs. I mean, it's ugly, ugly, ugly. And, and I'm here. God, what, what are we doing here? What, what's going on here? But I just read that Bible. I just read that Bible. I didn't want to go back to the world. I didn't want to go back to Moab. Don't you remember the story of Naomi and, and Amalek? They, 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 went to, they went to Moab. They left the promised land. Don't leave the promised land. Don't leave the ship. Don't leave the church. Don't do that. They left. She lost everything. But now she's coming out. Orpah's with her. They're hugging. They're loving one another. But, 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 but Naomi, she's going to run this way to God. But Orpah runs that way back to Moab. 
She just came from there. Why would you leave here this morning without the Holy Ghost knowing you're going back to Moab, knowing you're going back to God? Why wouldn't you just decide to run to Jesus? Run to him. Oh, he'll clothe you and put you in your right mind. Oh, don't run back to your problems. Run to him. Hallelujah. They prayed into a place where two seas met. Oh, uh, and it tore the ship apart. Others couldn't make it though. Remember I told you others couldn't swim. Hold on. That's why God told me I can't leave the ship. That's why God's telling you you can't leave the church. Some people can make it through the storm. They don't need to call pastor. They don't need to call another saint. They'll make it. But not all. You better stay with the ship. You better stay with the church because you might be one of those that can't swim. What are you going to do when that storm comes and you can't swim? Huh? That's what the storm was. He said, stay in the boat. That didn't make sense to him. They had a lifeboat and everything. He said, no, no, no. Stay in the boat. It's going to be destroyed. Stay in the boat. Busted pieces. That's what they got them to shore. I need it, Brother Wayne. I'm broke. I can't make it. So I just lock horns. I did a lock holder, Brother Wayne. He's got to carry me a mile or two. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you'll hang up with God, if you'll hang with him, he'll bless you. He'll pour out a blessing on you. Let me see it, Kirk. He'll pour out a blessing on you. You can't hold. He'll put on a blessing. Let it be too big. You won't understand it. It won't fit. That's the blessing he's going to give you. It's not just for today. It's for tomorrow. Hallelujah. You don't have to grow into it. You don't have to mature into it. That's what he wants to do with you. He's not going to walk in today. He's going to walk in tomorrow. But your family can fit into this blessing. Your children can fit into this blessing. Tomorrow. to do for you.
because he works outside of time. He's not in, he's inside of time, but he works outside of time. He's into your mark tomorrow. Yeah, he's into your, he's, he's into your future. He's setting things up. You're not strong enough yet. Your prayer life's not there yet. Yes. Right. Just praying over them in the kitchen. Uh, no, I'm going to teach you how to pray. It's going to come from your loins. It's going to come from your gut. When, when, when you learn how to pray, you will stretch out and lay out in God. Somebody said, though he slay me, yeah. yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain my ways before him. I'm telling you, God will pour out a blessing you can't hold. If you're here today and you need the Holy Ghost, if you need a blessing, you ought to be running to this altar. You ought to be running to him. You ought to be running to him. You ought to be running to, running to God because listen, don't go back to Moab. Don't go back to the world. Run to this altar. God has a blessing for you. If you have the Holy Ghost and you need a refreshing, you need to run to this altar because there's a bear here you need to face. You need Come on, there's a giant later. You better come handle this bear. You better come handle this lion because there's a giant tomorrow. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.